Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is no stranger to a glass of holy water. She is the most famous vicar in the land who came to the public's attention after a flash mob wedding dance she ordained and took part in went viral. Amongst the 10 million people who viewed the clip were the producers of Gogglebox who offered her and her husband Graham a slot on the show and such was her popularity. She was soon in need of an agent after Songs of Praise, The One Show, Steph's Packed Lunch and Radio 2 came calling. Born and raised in Sheffield as part of a non-religious family, she started to attend church as a teenager purely because she fancied the vicar's son. She married him in 1998 and as well as finding a future husband at church, she also found a calling that led her to work as an RE teacher before becoming ordained as a deacon in 2008 and then a priest in 2009. A mother to two teenagers, Arthur and Ruby, she lives in Nottinghamshire, loves cold water swimming, gin, strictly and a good old-fashioned chat. So let's dial her up. It's Reverend Kate Botley. Hello, my darling. You uh, all right? I'm really good. I'm really good. Have I fished you out of a river this morning? or uh, you know? I haven't been yet. I will be going later. Um, my back's a bit sore today, so I could do with some cold water on it. So I'm going to uh, go and get in the river. But to be honest with you, I went to see the Strictly Live tour last night. So, And I had a really, really good time. Did That's you? That's all I'm saying. I had a really good time. I mean, we've literally just in, in one breath there discussed two of your greatest passions, Strictly and cold water swimming. Um, but I'm guessing that Strictly is the one that's put that big smile on your face today. Do you know, it was the best night. And I was a classic 46-year-old woman at it. I was screaming everybody's name. I was head to toe in sequins. I had gin <laughs> in one hand. I just had the best out. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I sort of see it as a bit of a metaphor for life, really. You know, we're, we're not necessarily here for a long time, are we? 
anyway. So you need to grab it as much as you possibly can. And do you know what? You, you can roll anything in sequence. It's always going to look and feel better. <laughs> I remember I was on It Takes Two once and um, Kelvin Fletcher was in the green room and he ran in. He'd obviously come straight from something and going straight to something else. And uh, he took all his clothes off apart from his pants. And I was sat there in my dog collar in the corner. And I was like, <laughs> do I say hello? Do I ignore what's happening? What do I do here? I, uh, things that Vicar School did not prepare me for was sitting in a green room while Kelvin Fletcher stood there in his pants and he hasn't noticed that I'm in the corner. I, I did keep quiet. I thought it was the polite thing to do. But I've talked about it now. So, so it's out there. So it's out there. I think the first time we met Kate was under quite extraordinary circumstances. We got to know each other in front of uh, over 25 million viewers as we live streamed <laughs> around the world. Harry and Meghan's wedding. And uh, I loved gig, it. Wasn't it? Wasn't I it? loved it. I had a great afternoon. I mean, sat, sat watching a royal wedding and chatting to people. I mean, it was one of those, it was one of those dream jobs where you sort of sit there and you pinch yourself. Yeah. And I was there to comment, commentate on the kind of the service and the liturgy and what was happening. And this, and this, and we, because we had that amazing sermon um, by the Archbishop that talked oh. about love and it was completely different from anything we'd ever seen at a formal um, royal wedding. Um, so I was, I remember crying. I, I remember sobbing most of my way through it you were like come on pull yourself together Botley no well and also we had Vanessa Feltz there who was so there you was did. I, I mean, it was a brilliant lineup it was one of those nuts things where we said yeah let's live stream it and we'll put it out around the world thinking I mean I don't know how many people are going to are gonna catch this or tune in and then when we got off air they went yes yeah, like 28 million people we were like what uh, that's a little bit daunting and I think that's I think that might be the biggest sermon I've ever preached exactly <laughs> that oh, might be you... the biggest footfall <laughs> <laughs> I mean in terms of spreading the word yeah. you've got yourself yeah. right up I there mean, my friend yeah. sometimes <laughs> sometimes for the diocese they kind of write to us and they say could you give us your numbers of how many people you preach to this weekend because they like to keep an account of what the numbers are like in church and I go do you really want my numbers do you really want those? Do you really want, pause for thought, 8 million people. Uh, yeah. Radio too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. But you, you've hit on something there, I think, is, you know, um, I don't see any massive separation between kind of what you might call my day job and all the other telly and media stuff. It's just a different sort of pulpit and a different sort of parish. That's all it is. You know, Tell one you. of the reasons we said yes to Gogglebox or way back when was because... Um, the kind of people of faith I was seeing portrayed on TV were either really bad news stories, something horrible that had happened in the news with someone of faith, or it was like, look at these weirdos. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not weird. I am weird. I believe in a man raised from the dead. That's pretty darn weird. But um, <laughs> uh, I also just wanted to go, you know, kind of, you can have a faith and be a relatively normal person. I mean, obviously we use that, we use that normal word quite lightly. Um, but yeah, just that. That's why we said yes to Gogglebox, because we just wanted to go, oh, yeah. And people thought I was in fancy dress for a long time with Gogglebox. <laughs> really? Yeah, people were like, she's not really one. She can't be. She's like, she can string a sentence together and she's a bit rude. Um, and, and then I got... I, she I, drinks people, gin. Exactly, so, you know. exactly. One of those, like, because we have this idea, don't we? We have this, like, almost like a dad's army. Cultural memory is very long. And we have this whole sort of, like, almost like this kind of, like, dad's army image <laughs> of what a vicar is. You know, male, pale and stale. Yeah. Um, and it's just not all the vicars I know, all the vicars I hang out with are, are kind of like me, just normal people trying to hold it together who happen to have a faith. Well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I couldn't agree more with you there because I spent last night, so I started cooking dinner around seven and I thought, 
I'm speaking to Kate tomorrow, so I'm going to listen to, um, there's a podcast that you've done with two other vicars, with uh, Reverend Richard Coles, yeah. and who's the, sorry, remind me of the other gentleman's name, uh, menopause Kate. Uh, Giles Fraser, it's absolutely fine. When you introduced me, you said the most famous vicar in the land, I was like, that. get that, Richard Coles, take that one. <laughs> <laughs> You are so competitive. <laughs> so the three of you do this in conversation piece for BBC Sounds. Where it's so last night I listened to you talking about how you deal with deaths and funerals, mm-hmm. and and actually you all seem very excited about funerals. You really feel like we this is your moment funeral. to shine. Uh, we love a funeral. I mean, funerals are the best. Um, you, it's you like know, a Glastonbury in Vicar World, like, isn't it? It's just like, <laughs> because you feel so useful. You know, you feel so useful. So when you're going to do the other kind of what we call occasional offices, which are weddings, christenings and funerals, when you're going for weddings and christenings, um, people have already got very clear ideas about what they want to happen. But what yeah. happens with funerals is people don't all, haven't always thought that far yet. And so what happens is you turn up and you go, it's okay, I can help you through this one. I've I've done a lot of these, and I I can nav- help you navigate something. You just feel so useful, and yeah. you know that's what we want, isn't it? We want to feel like we're we're doing some good. It's kind of um, a, a really beautiful kind of crisis management, isn't it? It's a glorious thing to do, and uh, it's an absolute privilege to be there. Um, and often, of course, you know, these are people that we've known. You know, I've buried um, f- friends and I've buried relatives and stuff, and it's just such an honour to be able to walk with people at that point. Um, and it, it is, you know, death and taxes are the only two certain things we've got. So you might want to have a little think, and you, can't, you can avoid them for as long as you want, but they will get you in the end. Um, and we just, you know, as vicars, I forget that death chat is not a normal thing, Kay. I forget that this is not a polite topic of conversation. So I will sit around a dinner table and I'll talk about, like, who's died. And you can see, like, people... like oh Recoiling. Goodness, are we already talking about death? She's only been here two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, and I forget when the kids were little. Um, I mean, my kids are 18 and 20 now, but when my kids were little, I used to forget that it's not a normal topic of conversation so they bring friends over after school and there'd be somebody's ashes on the side waiting to be buried in the churchyard the next day and you could see these kids going pale and I just go oh no and we were like oh no they're going to go home and tell tell their parents that there were human remains on the side in the kitchen because we were like you know like they're just waiting there for me to go and do my next bit of my job or whatever but it was fascinating so literally at seven o'clock I started playing I just spent the evening in the company of you three listening to you talk shop. And it was yeah. fascinating, Kate, truly insightful. And I'm so pleased that you all stepped up and used that platform to normalize and just add a bit of regular to what we think is an extraordinary, like you say, we've got such a, such a weird and warped view of what a vicar is. And actually, I think you've done so much to change that, which kind of takes me into my first question for you. Okay, question number one. I wanted to talk about daring to be different and how it can lead to truly life-changing moments. You went viral with your flash mob wedding dance, which for anybody who hasn't seen it, go to YouTube and just Google Reverend Kate Botley wedding dance it's there it's you marrying a couple and the moment they kind of say i do or let no man take us under what's the song that kicks in kate um, everybody dance now and it's great and i absolutely loved being part of that it was so much fun to do but it wasn't um, just the music playing the bride the groom and you all choreographed 
moves and you led the congregation and it went from one song to the next we did we had a bit of cool in the gang yeah. celebrate, celebrate good celebrate good times come on yeah but that it's a great. bit it's a bit of um viral prozac it was um we never expected it to go viral in uh, i thought i said to gary and trace because it was well they say it was they're my the husband idea. and wife yeah yeah their husband they're still married which is great Few. um uh the, i they say it was my idea and i say it was their idea because basically they came along and like every bride and groom they wanted their wedding to be the best wedding any of their friends had ever been to and obviously everybody wants that everybody wants you know their friends to walk away and go that was a great day we had a great day um so they came along and said we'd like something a bit different what what are you prepared to do and i said that's a really dangerous question to ask someone like me because there's like the realms of legality and the realms of propriety and i will push both of those if i can you know so i will take it as far as i think i can take it um so i said look let's let's do a little let's do a dance and they were into they're into musical theater they sing in choirs and all that sort of stuff so they organized a little routine they got the music sorted and then what happened was um, they wanted to do the rehearsals on Sundays because that's when all their friends could get together to do it. Yeah. And I was like, that's not really a great day for me. Um, so I'll tell you what, you just send me the video, send me the steps and I'll pick it up and I'll freestyle it and I'll just, you know. Um, and then I did say to them, I think the local press might pick up on this if we put this on YouTube and stuff because they were going to do that anyway for people that weren't at the wedding so that other people could see it that hadn't been able to get there um, I thought maybe the workshop guardian maybe the, the heady heights of the Retford Times uh, <laughs> maybe the Sheffield Star might pick it up I did not think I would be talking to uh, Al Jazeera for example after it broke <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, it was a weird conversation man it was like I was talking I but Australian news picked it up, BBC picked it up. You know, it went cr it went crazy, absolutely nuts. But you know, it wasn't. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was utterly joyful. You know, and I I believe you know I Jesus's first miracle was water into wine at a wedding. So that's my kind of saviour. Do you know what I'm saying? We <laughs> like a party, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with having a really good time. I think it's a holy thing enjoying yourself. I think you know this idea that you can only be holy in somberness and quiet mm. is absolute nonsense um and i believe in having a really good time if you can but it wasn't universally loved there were some very grumpy people at the idea of well uh, you suddenly become and what i've learned about um whatever that word we want to use let's let's say fame but that's not what i mean i don't know what that word is because we, we're all a bit twitchy about that word but what happens when you're thrust into the public eye like that is um you become some sort of vessel for everybody's grumpiness about everything. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, I became some sort of symbol of what was wrong with the Church of England, but at the same time, what was right with the Church of England. So, you know, and it really split people. I had one woman who phoned me up, because of course I'm a vicar, all my details were public at the time. <laughs> so I had people just ringing me up. And one woman ranting about the church's tax affairs to me she just was shouting at me down the phone about tax and about the church of england's tax relief that it gets and i was like i just did a dance at a wedding i, I don't know what you're talking about I'm <laughs> I, not, you. I am not some sort of spokesperson for the church of england you know that's not how this works i did a dance at a wedding because i thought a bride and groom might like it and it might make them happy that's what that was it it was, I didn't... Uh, it was honestly, Kate, it was joyous. And for everybody that you might have upset who was already invested in a Christian faith, 
there were many, many millions that you reached that had not probably thought about religion or their faith or Christianity or what going to church is like these days. They probably just hadn't given it a thought. And suddenly you were in their eyeline and yeah. doing something that would, that looked normal to them. And that's exactly a good it. Time. That's yeah. literally it. I mean, do I think for one second, somebody's going to have a Damascus Road moment when they see me on Celebrity <laughs> MasterChef? Go, I've seen the light. No, of course not. Do I think they might think she seems all right? And then when they do have to meet a vicar, perhaps if someone they love has sadly died or perhaps they're just really, they're a little bit interested, um, perhaps it might just make the door a little bit easier to open. And my favourite sentence anyone ever says to me is, they do this thing where they, they sort of stop me at the street and they go, I'm not religious. Don't think I'm religious. And I go, I go, it's okay if you are, you know, it's not the worst thing you can be. They go, I'm not religious, <laughs> but... And then, and then after that book, they say a whole raft of things, which leads me to believe that maybe there is a little spark of something in there. They go, I don't yeah. believe in God, but I do believe in an ultimate power of love in the universe. That's God. That's just what God is. It's just a different word. Yeah. So they have it's a faith. Semantics. A faith. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. will say things like, I like to light a candle. If I go into a church, I like to light a candle. And, I, and they go, I don't really know why I do it, but I like, and all I want to say to people is that's okay. You, I don't own religion. I don't own God. Nobody does. And if you want to dip in and dip out, and if you find something yeah. in things, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right to, to find whatever you need to find in it. Well, that's what I think that video, that viral clip represented, because obviously it went on to change your life. The Gogglebox producers saw it. Um, suddenly you're given a slot on a huge show, which again, like you say, every week it's that drip, drip, drip effect of, oh, look, she's normal. Oh, look, she's got a husband. Oh, look, she drinks gin. Oh, my God, a dog sits with his legs wide open. Uh, you know, and suddenly you're you're just one of the gang yeah. rather than, like you say, I mean, I think people see the dog collar and they jump to huge conclusions and judgments and preconceptions just because because of the costume. You know, um, and, because... you know, you get that thing where if someone swears in front of me or, or, or says, oh, my God, they go, I'm so sorry. And it's like, <laughs> it's OK. You're not my child. I don't need to tell you. You're all right. And of course, people do that thing as well. where They go, are you allowed? Are you allowed to wear high heels? Are you allowed to wear makeup? Are you allowed? And I'm like. I am just a person. We are just people, right? <laughs> they clearly haven't seen your TikTok, have they? I know, right? <laughs> because with all of this, I mean, these these brave moments, this moment where you knew you probably were going to upset a lot of people that were very invested in church life in order to reach a ton of people that aren't, might never be, and that you're probably never going to meet. So it's a bit kind of like, it's blind faith, I suppose. But I wondered, when else has working outside of the box, travelling slightly out of the lane that you're supposed to to travel in, uh, and you doing you, your way, how else has that paid dividends for you in the past? And and that doesn't, I'm not just talking about your work as a, as a vicar, just you as a human being. Well, I mean, coming from a non-religious family, we were christened as babies, but we were n we never went to church ever, not even at Christmas and Easter. Uh, we didn't go. I didn't go to a church school, anything like that. And so to start going to church as a 14, 15 year old, I remember my mum and dad thought I'd joined a cult, and I just had to tell them. I had to tell them it was the Church of England. It was probably going to be okay. There was going to be a there was going to be a lot more like scones and tea rather than you know sacrificing things. Um, so that 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 was quite a big step. That was I remember having to tell my mum and dad that I'd started to believe in God, and that was a huge thing in our family at the time. Like it was, my mum and dad thought, I'd, yeah, they thought that I was going to start wearing, you know, strange robes, and oh, I I do wear strange robes. 
Of course, yeah. it did end up they're, like that. They had a point, Kate. They had a point. A point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just tend to say yes to lots of things and then let's see where it ends up. So things like the cold water swimming, someone said to me, do you want to come cold water? Yep, I'll do that. You know, and I end up, I've ended up swimming in sort of minus two, minus three water, um, smashing ice to get in and all that kind of thing. And I just, I, I kind of see life as a really big adventure. Um, and I think part of that is because I do do funerals, which we were talking about earlier, I think I I have this idea that the worst funerals are the ones where you've got nothing to say, um, where the person leading that service is thinking, I've got 20 minutes here and I've got no idea what I'm going to say to Philip. Um, and I quite like the idea that at mine, there'll be, it'll be three hours long and there'll have to be a break for sandwiches and a loo break halfway through because I want to get, I want to get enough out of it, you know? Um, and yeah, and, and so that's why I tend to say yes to things. So to the telly stuff, I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of just go, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Yeah, that sounds all right. And, and see where it ends up and try not to be afraid of looking silly. Because what what's the pushback been from colleagues with within the church? Because obviously there's lots of great new blood uh, in the church that is is doing work differently. But there will also be sitting at the top some really quite traditional um, men and women of the cloth that might frown upon the way that you choose to do your preaching and work. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not. Um, I don't see. Often I don't see that as an age thing. So you'd be really surprised at the people who think it's great and you'd be really surprised at the people who don't. Really? You'd, oh, yeah, you really would. So that's me making you know. a sweeping generalisation. I apologise. No, not at all. And it's the same in parishes. I remember when I did the flash mob and it all went crazy. And, of course, I wasn't prepared for any of that. You know, at the time I'd, I'd never done really, I'd never done any media work. I had no idea what I was doing, um, all that sort of stuff. And there was a, a, a lady at church, <laughs> Mrs Evans, Laura Evans, old lady at church, who just went, way, I don't see what all fuss is about, Katie. And I said, do you not, Mrs. Evans? And she said, no, it's not worst thing you've done, is it? And then, <laughs> you know, she just, she thought it was great. And I've t I tend to find that the old, older people, you know, they've sort of seen it all and they kind of just think, oh, well, that's all right. You know, as long as you don't mess with eight o'clock communion, you can do what you want. Um, you can get away with whatever you like. But yeah, I think... I think all that speaks to him. What I have to remember, if someone's unkind to me, and invariably it's on social media these days, um, mm. although letters do still come through the door and, you know, just occasionally you'll get someone who comes up to you in the street and says something not kind. Um, you just have to do that thing where you remember that it's their issue and not yours. Um, mm. and, okay, and you also have to look for the grain of truth amongst what they're saying. So sometimes you'll, I'll get a tirade, you know, because... Um, a lot of the time it's when when I do things like I'll, I'll, I'll march with Christians at Pride and I, I try and be really inclusive in my theology. Um, a lot of people get quite upset about that. Um, and I, what well, I tend why, to, why would they be upset about that? Because they don't believe they, well, they get upset, Yeah, they don't believe, you know, they don't believe that God loves everybody. They believe that God loves only straight people. And I don't believe that. Um, I believe in a God that loves everyone. Um, Equally, whatever, whatever your sexuality or gender or, you know, yeah. I believe in an inclusive God. Um, and so... Too uh, right. So, yeah, so genuinely, th genuinely, there's people that will frown upon you for marching at Pride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know... And that's okay. And what you have to, what I have to do when someone It's actually not, but it's okay that you're okay with it's it. Okay. But it's, it's not okay. It's okay that I'm okay with it. It's not, obviously it's not okay. Um, but what I will do when someone um, is horrible to me, um, is I will ask myself, is there any truth in what they're saying? Is there anything in here 
that is true. So the ones that really hurt are not the ones that are against my theology because they've come to a different conclusion in their theology to me. That's fine. Um, the ones that really hurt are you're only doing this for your own glory or you're just a big show off or because what really hurts about those is you go in oh, cracky, they might be true. That might be true. I'm going to have to dig down into that comment and go, all right, are you just an egotistical maniac, Botley, and a, an attention-seeking, you know, nightmare? Is there any truth in that? And you go, actually, there is. And perhaps I need to keep, a, need to make sure that, you know, that my spiritual life is still going. I'm still staying true to my vocation and my calling, but it's just got sequins on it at the moment, you know, or it's, it's in front of a microphone or whatever. 
our bodies as they are um and i i try to be as body positive as i possibly can but we're all victims of diet culture um and we all have that that little niggly thing that somehow if someone's thinner they are beautiful and more happy and um that's that's nonsense and i i learned something very important i um i do the great northeast skinny dip most years which is a thousand people on the beach together up in mm-hmm. up in the northeast and they run into the, we run into the sea at sunrise um for the autumn equinox and every every kind of body is there um and i was stood behind a woman who had the most gorgeous back fat i have ever seen and there was folds and folds of her back and it was like a landscape and i was totally hypnotized by this woman's body and of course i had this moment of revelation where i suddenly thought oh the very thing that i find ugly in myself i can find beautiful in someone else so what lovely so what if there's someone stood behind me looking at my ass going oh my goodness look at those stretch marks of those dimples aren't they the most beautiful things you've ever seen (laughs) And they are. We've just been conditioned to think those things aren't beautiful. Um, And, of course, we know that there are risks associated with... with weight and all that sort of stuff but there are risks so it would be an underweight as well and actually oh, massively you can be really healthy you can be really healthy and not within your bmi bmi is nonsense you know um yeah. and i just i kind of i'm just done with it i'm done with that sort of conversation and people genuinely think they're being kind and people will come up to me in the street and they go oh you're not as fat as i thought you were uh, like, i get that wow i get that <laughs> yeah. wow what you look much bigger say. on telly you're like wow okay Wow, this and... is my body. I live in this. You don't have a yeah. right to say anything about it. And they genuinely think they're being nice. People genuinely they do. think they're being kind. They do. And and actually, I understand why they do. Because you, I mean, you you go on to say, so this this thread on Twitter, uh, and it went on and on and on. And you, you, you did it so well, Kate. And I really felt, actually, because I, you know, at the moment I'm going through, as we've discussed, perimenopause, and my body is is not responding in the way that it used to. And I've gained weight and I'm finding it very hard um, to, ex- to accept the changes that are going on with me. And when I sat down last night and read all of this, I found it so helpful, so soothing. So would you indulge me while I just share some of this with of our course, audience? Because I think they are they are proper pearls of wisdom that you've imparted. Um, so you say, um, over the years, my weight's gone up and down, as you've just said. Um, and you've said at times I've been fine with the, the fluctuation. And frankly, at other times I haven't. And one of the times that your weight went right down was because your mum was in intensive care and she was there for weeks and weeks and she was dying. And during that time, she, you felt too worried to eat and you lost two stones. So lots of people without knowing why you'd lost weight were complimenting you. So just to flag that, that really, that's a pause for thought moment, isn't it? So we must always be mindful of actually jumping in with what we think is kindness when actually you could literally be killing them with your kindness in those moments. We've got no idea why someone appears to have lost weight, but we're so conditioned to think that if someone's thinner, that must be better and therefore deserving of a compliment. I, my mum in my mum in intensive care. She made it through, by the way. Um, yes, she's still with us. Um, yes, so we should probably say that. Um, yes, you know, she's I that up. <laughs> just didn't eat. I just didn't eat for two. Mm. I didn't eat for weeks, and I lost weight, which you do if you don't eat. I was really poorly. I was re- my head was all over the place. I was grieving for a woman that was 
appeared to be dying we were told she was dying um and i didn't eat and people going oh my goodness you look great and i was like this is this is the heart one of the hardest things i've ever been through i don't i don't know how to respond to that and it's the same with treatment you know someone could be having treatment for cancer or they could have an eating disorder you know mm. complimenting someone on and there are so many other things to compliment someone on well this is way. what you go on to say <laughs> so you say no no matter how nicely it's meant it is a backhanded compliment and actually if you reverse this so by implication what you're saying is you look great but by the way you didn't before exactly. um and the reverse of that would be if you were to, if you were to be equally honest in reverse, uh, you've gained weight, you look awful. And actually, we don't say that. So, so you're, uh, you're challenging a narrative that it, that rolls on because it's just been forever thus. And you didn't need to put your hands up that day and, and dive in on this, but you did. And, I, and it really, I found it really, really enlightening. Um, and what you go on to then say is, and finally, what I weigh, what anyone weighs, is perhaps the least interesting thing about me. There are so many more infinitely fascinating things about humans than just their size. Happiness is not related to your waist size and the scales can only tell you what you weigh, but they can never tell you how brilliant you are. And that I thought was so, so, so good to have between my ears last night. So thank you. You're so welcome. And it's absolutely true. There are infinitely more interesting things about a human being. And you know, there are three things we never say in a funeral eulogy, how much someone earned, how clean their skirting boards were, and how much they weighed. So try <laughs> not to pay too much attention to any of those things. But actually skirting boards, I would insist just once a year, people <laughs> just once quick a year. Round. Quick flip round. <laughs> so once you did raise that conversation i i could feel that you were angsty and it troubled you that there was this you clearly you know a lot of noise online about it um why is it important for you sometimes to push yourself into uncomfortable places to a place of vulnerability and well, ultimately being yeah. it being up for, for being criticized because i'm because i'm trying to um trying to move the conversation on i'm trying mm. to try because people have done it to me because i've checked myself before when someone said perhaps not commenting on what someone's wearing or when i've said to someone i've you know i've done it have you lost weight and and then i thought actually i don't i don't like that and i know how it feels it's a it's an uncomfortable thing when someone pulls you up on something you've said you know and i don't want anyone to feel bad when they think they're being nice to me that i mean that's awful isn't it if you say something to someone mm. you think you've been kind and they go actually can you not say that you suddenly feel awful about yourself because you've obviously there's something going on here that you've upset someone but if we don't have these difficult conversations if if we don't push stuff on especially those of us who've got platforms and followers and all yeah. this sort of stuff nothing will change and we'll just bite our lips until they bleed and i'd much rather have an honest conversation if something has upset me um than than bury it bury it down and the brilliant thing about social media there are lots of brilliant things about social media but the brilliant thing is or you know whereas in the street if someone went to oh you've lost weight i might go and just kind of like you know fudge it and not really challenge them on it on social media, it just, it gives you that one half a step away from the person because they're not face to face that you can say something that's a little bit more challenging. Of course, it works you the did, other way. You did it really, really well. And I really hope that you've got the courage and conviction to carry on doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I, 
uh, this sounds so uh, trite, but you're trying to leave the world in a slightly better place than you found it, right? Mm. Even if it's your only li or your smallest sphere of world. And I, I genuinely believe that sometimes you have to say something that's tough for someone to hear in order for it ultimately to be a kind and good thing. And I would yeah. hope that when I mess up and say something that I've said wrong, that um, I would be, I would be challenged. You know, and that uh, that I would move on in my thinking. I also think we need to normalise changing our minds about stuff and being wrong, yeah. because I think and we're actually almost celebrate phobic. it. Yeah, yeah, we're almost phobic of like going. Actually, I used to think this, but now I think this, and I've changed my mind on that. Or yeah, I got this really wrong a few years ago, and now I'm going to make an effort to get it right. Mm. Which is my huge problem that. with cancel culture, because you can't persecute somebody for a belief that they possibly no longer hold, uh, that they shared years, months, however long ago, and not afford them the opportunity to A, explain themselves and B, change their mind. We have to change our minds. Otherwise, we're not learning. We're not evolving. And then what is the point of us being here? I'm not the here? same person I was 10 minutes ago, like the same person 10 years ago, you know, and, and there needs to be safe places where we can ask the difficult questions. So I remember mm. when the debate on equal marriage was going through um, and I had a few questions that I really needed answering. So I went to a friend of mine who is in a, in a, in a marriage, in a same-sex marriage, and I went, right, I'm going to ask some stupid questions here and I'm probably going to use the wrong words. So I need you to forgive me for saying the wrong thing before we even start this conversation. And the person just went, my friend Jeremy just went, just ask me anything you like. Mm -hmm. You can't get this wrong. And, um, you know, and it's about giving people permission to say the clumsy thing, mm -hmm. you know? Be yeah, because otherwise nothing moves on. You know, no. when I was listening to you and Reverend Richard Coles last night, Richard was in a same-sex marriage, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was in a same partnership. Now, when you and I were born, that would have never been allowed in the church, a yeah. vicar in a same-sex marriage. So that's progress. That's yeah. evolution. I mean, we're not we're not there yet. Um, so you nope. can only be civilly partnered if you're a priest. You can't be a, uh, you can't be married. You know, the only way that anything changes is by keeping having the conversation, and by people still sitting in the awkward space. So I'm I'm a firm believer of you know because. Actually, I could leave the Church of England over some of its inclusion policy. I feel that strongly about it. But Do I you? don't think things will change if people leave. We need to stay with it yeah. and try and move the conversation on. Okay, time for my final question. For you, Kate. Um, and I love this. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about this. As part of your training to become a vicar, a bishop sent you and a group of newbie curates on a retreat with a professional comedian to learn how to hold a room and effectively work a crowd. Genius, right? After two days of theology and theory, you then had to deliver 10 minutes of stand-up, having deconstructed sets by comedians like Bill Bailey, Eddie Izzard and Sarah Millican. So what I wanted to know from you is... What did they teach you? What did you learn from them? And how does it still inform your work today? So what we what we were looking at is culturally, people don't go to lectures and those kind of things beyond beyond school and, and colleges. Um, so where would you go to sit and listen to someone talk to you for an extended period of time? And the only parallel we could come up with, obviously the sermons, um, the yeah. only other parallel we could come up with was stand up comedy. This idea that you will pay a t you will pay to go and sit in a room and someone talk at you for two hours. That's a very strange concept, right? So we were looking at the 
these comedians and how they use things like so bill bailey use a lot uses a lot of surrealism um eddie azard yeah. uses a lot of surrealism so we'll hang um things they want you to remember jokes they want you to remember on something bizarre so they'll give you an image like um an elephant on roller skates and then when they yeah. come back to the elephant on roller skates in an hour's time you remember how the joke was set up um so it's it's just that it's just about sermon preaching it's about things like crafting a pause for thought even crafting tweets and instagram posts yeah. how you write and how you construct a story because that's basically what we do as vicars is we're storytellers we hold yeah. the stories of our community so we hold the stories of our faith from things like the bible but we also hold people's stories in like their weddings and their christenings and their family stories and we have to tell that story so if i was putting a eulogy together for example for someone i go and visit their family i get all the information i need on that person you know where they were born and their brothers and sisters and their school and all that sort of stuff and then i have to stitch together all those things in a very important five minute speech about them but i don't just want it to be and they went to school and then they've got yeah. two brothers and then they went here and they... we've all been to those funerals Jeez, i want man. it to have texture and color and i want it to have yeah. peaks and troughs i want them to be i want there to be a moment where they feel really sad and then all of a sudden you come in with something that is just a lovely you know um and we're so sorry we're so sad to have to say goodbye to him today but we're not sad to say goodbye to his very smelly farts you know or something like that <laughs> that they've told you i wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that but you you do the light and shade moment so that you can yeah. carry these people through the worst day one of the worst days of their lives yeah. with gentleness and with humor and with humanity and with that connection with that person and their story that you curate for them um and so i just loved the stand-up comedy course that we did i absolutely adored <laughs> it it was so much it was... fun it was such a smart move on the bishop's part because you're absolutely right. Um, and you said at a vicar school, which you described as sort of Hogwarts with but cassettes. with weirder clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had this Friday tradition, which was the Friday joke. And the biggest challenge every week was to try and think of 52 clean gags for trainee vicars. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we, because you... Who and knew? What, I love what's it. Re what's really weird about people... I mean, there's a lot of weird things about people that train to be vicars. But one of the weird things is that actually quite a lot of them are introverts. Quite a lot of them are not necessarily great at being at the front and having people look at them. Now, I, I hope this comes as no surprise to you, Kate, but I'm, I quite like being the centre of attention. Um, <laughs> I quite like a whole bunch of people looking at me um i i sort of enjoy that so i, I and what was brilliant about the stand-up comedy course is the very ones that you thought they're going to really struggle with this were brilliant once they were given really? permission to just really enjoy themselves and to tell yeah. some stories um it was it was so freeing um and it was a joy to see people just blossom. And also, I really think it's important that we, I mean, it's its a Jungian thing, isn't it? That we embrace that shadow side of ourselves. So for me, I was as happy as a pig in muck. But similarly, you know, the bishops do send us off on silent retreats, which I find really difficult. The introverts are loving it. I'm like that, oh my goodness, I've got to sit on a, in a room on my own with my own thoughts for two days. What's, what's going to happen here? You know, so oh, I, good. I think for any human being, whether you, whether you work in a faith community or not, trying to explore your shadow side the what what is your naturally your opposite place just grows you stretches you like crazy and you learn all sorts of things about yourself that you never knew and actually comedy and the ability to use comedy in difficult moments dark moments has been 
ever thus you actually liken the court jester to to the equivalent of kind of you know what it is that you you have to do in those moments um of delivering bad news difficult news yeah. so that back in the day a medieval court jester could deliver the bad news that no one else to dared to, exactly to bring it. to the king you know so you start you st- and often people have never been in the situation before so i'm thinking i'm thinking about when i go into a hospice for example or going to a mm. place where somebody is dying and you've got a family there and they go we've never done this we don't know what we're doing and so and, and they're scared and they're nervous and it smells different and it looks different different and it feels different and everyone's a stranger and it's all a bit strange and we're a bit scared if you can come in with some very gentle humor in that moment and i'm not talking about having them rolling in the aisles or you know putting whoopee cushions under seats or anything like that. not a, i'm just talking about very gentle human humor that can just lift the whole thing and who doesn't want one of the last things their loved one to hear to be laughter and joy mm. who doesn't want that you know what a lovely way thing to be surrounded by you know laugh um, tears of joy as well as tears of sadness um, and so as a curator of that you know one of my privileges of my job is i can go into a room and go i've been here before i know this territory i've i've followed this path before so i can help you navigate it and we can help do it in a in a beautiful way where we connect with each other because i think i think being human is about connection it's about connecting better with other people so this lovely connection that we've got right now it's about connecting better with ourselves knowing ourselves as well as we can but it's also for me about connecting with something bigger than all of that and you know i have a name for it i call it god but other people call it all sorts of things but this sense that actually there is something bigger going on in this world than just meat and bones you know that we're not just flesh and blood that there is something else that makes us who we are oh completely completely and it sounds like you've had some great bishops steering you along the way oh i've had some great ones i mean um i've had some ones that get easily scared i mean i think i'm pretty terrifying i think i think they they, their eyebrows sometimes twitches when they see me but um by and large (laughs) oh look it's her off the telly what do we do with her um you know and that when i first was ordained there was there was a a sense of what are we going to do with her um and you know because because you don't kind of fit the you don't fit them all but it's i mean not in a not in a sort of derogatory way but just in a oh my goodness right okay I, i applaud the church because they will ordain people like me you know they will go okay let's take a risk on this one <laughs> let's see what happens here and people you know sometimes people say if we'd have told you 10 years ago you would be where you are now would you have believed it um no of course not did i did i think i'd be have my own show on radio too did i think i'd be presenting tv shows of course i didn't but did i think my ministry would be unique and different yes of course yeah. i did because every single human being is unique and different yeah. and it what is it dolly because that great theologian dolly parton said um find out who you are and then do it on purpose um you know and i just love that i just love that idea that actually i don't think the answer to decreasing numbers in the pews is to ordain more kate botleys i think kate there's more than more than enough kate botleys in the world what i do think (laughs) and this is not just about vicars i do think there's a call for authenticity a call to find out who we are and to do that on purpose um and what, that is a, such a beautiful thing to see in other people. It's such a beautiful thing mm. when you find it yourself that you go, oh, actually, unapologetically me. That would be really great. And that's all we want in it. From politicians, from prime ministers, from postmen, all we want is for people to be authentic. Wouldn't that be nice? 
Wouldn't that be nice? You, you know, you talk about numbers right at the top of the show. We talked about, you know, you have to dial your numbers in. And yours are pretty awesome and colossal, Kate, <laughs> compared to some of your colleagues. Dwindling footfall is obviously something that, I mean, when I think about church numbers, it's a bit like looking at newspaper readers. You know, yeah. they're still there. They're just doing it differently. Yeah. So maybe you are the conduit that will help the church to reach people differently you know you go on songs of praise you're reaching how many millions of people that's that's a million pause for thought is eight million on zoe's show on a friday when i do my wow. pause for thoughts that's great um but it's it what's brilliant for me is that um it's not necessarily about numbers is it it's about quality no. encounters and also i i don't i don't I don't want to play those comparison games because you know you could have yeah. you can have thirty people in a church and not reach anybody, or you can have one encounter. Mm. You can have three thousand and nothing happen. Mm. But um, it's about encountering encountering others. I think we're I think we're so obsessed with numbers and data and ROIs and measurements that we forget sometimes sometimes you can't measure what you do you might touch someone and leave a handprint on their heart their thinking you might change that with a post with a comment on goggle box and you'll never know and that's okay yeah. that doesn't mean you should stop doing it just because you don't you can't go and phone up your bishop and go uh 4.2 million this week yeah beat that <sighs> it's not <laughs> you know and, and uh, comparison is the thief of joy isn't it you know and down that mm. way leads yes leads, it is you know down that way leads torture it's you know you're only going to yeah. sit and you're never going to be satisfied with that sort of stuff because it's a very um yeah, it, it's fickle. It's a fickle thing, isn't it, numbers? You know, it, it will pass. This too will pass. It's like, you know, rejoicing that you're nine and a half stone or eight and a half stone. What a silly thing to get excited about because tomorrow you might not be. So, you know, it, yeah. let, let, let's look at the things that are um, true and permanent. Things like the way we love each other and, you know, the way we feel about each other and family and friends and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm getting a bit soppy now. But um, no, it's I, lovely because you're reframing our thinking. And that's that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's about stepping away from the stuff that's not good for us. Stop measuring things that, that you think are good and they're not they're pretty toxic and look at the stuff that really is going to nourish you as a human being and the stuff that you know i constantly and i, I know we've talked about that death a lot i constantly think okay what's the, what states the eulogy in and i don't just want people to say nice things about me when i'm dead that's too late really but you know you kind of think what what's the stuff that matters what's the stuff that counts um mm. Yeah, and so I don't think the answer to falling numbers of the Church of England is the Reverend Kate Botley. I don't think that, you know, I think there are brilliant people in communities who are running food banks. You know, the, the church is the, one of the biggest providers of social care beyond outside the government in mm -hmm. the country, you know, and that's regardless of what faith you are, you know, or none. Yeah. You know, they run schools, we run food banks, we're running community group, old people's lunches, we will go and visit your granny if you can't get there, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so do I think that, the, that we've lost our faith as a nation? No, I don't. I think people still want the things of spirituality. They still want to have those mm. conversations. They might not want to sit in a cold building on a Sunday morning anymore, but that's okay. Absolutely. And I really hope we find purposes for some of these old buildings because our churches, of which there are so, so many up and down the country, are the most beautiful buildings. They desperately need to be supported and preserved. But maybe their functions are now to serve the community 
not as a place of worship, just as a place of coming together. Well, we, we've always had this, and that's what they always were originally, Kate. You know, mm. in medieval yeah. times, this was the place where you had the farmers' market, and this is where you sold, bought and sold animals. This because it was the biggest building in your community. It was, it had a roof on it. Um, you know, so you could go there, mm. and that's what these places were. It was only when we got to kind of, you know, Victorian times, and we put pews in them, and we started locking doors and things, that that's that's that changed the roles of and we had this idea of god's in a building and god's not outside and we need to be quiet in here you know you i watch it when children god's house, when, yeah. ch when children run into church and they're grown up sh shush them and you're like oh my god don't please don't shush them let them run around it's absolutely fine and we have this idea yeah. we have we sort of big big We've we've made these spaces about human beings and not about the thing they were about originally but you know churches um, are often one of the best buildings in a community, especially rural communities. Lots of them are post offices now. They've got coffee shops in them, play centres, all that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and I really welcome that. Places for, I mean, I went to Norwich Cathedral um, a couple of years ago before the pandemic and they'd got Helter Skelter in there, which was just <laughs> the best thing. I loved it. And you can imagine how grumpy some people were about it, but yeah. I thought it was brilliant. And the, the cathedral saw visitors that like they'd never had numbers like they'd never had coming through the door and of course people come in they see the health skelter they have a little go in it they have a wonderful time and then they might light a candle might have a moment of reflection they might wander around mm. but i i think there's a snobbery i was reading an article about this at the weekend and someone was saying it's okay to have classical concerts in church but not to have nightclub nights well why because God, God only likes violins. What are you talking about? I tell you about? what, I defy anybody. You put a gospel choir in a church, let those people sing, and I defy anybody not to get up and dance. Well, Liverpool Cathedral do cream club nights. You know, do you remember cream? They oh, yeah. do club yeah. nights in Liverpool Cathedral. Re a really good time. Yeah, it's a great night. <laughs> I'll see you in? there. <laughs> whoop, whoop, All right, the sister. Big box, little box. Down the front. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have it. <laughs> Cheesy quiver. Okay, Cheesy quiver. <laughs> it is always a pleasure to be in your company. I love your conversations. You. And I know that for many years to come, I'm still going to be tuning into them. Keep up the vicar chat with, with Reverend Richard and, um, and Giles. Oh, and Giles. They are fascinating. I'm honestly one of my favourite new podcasts. Well, I have got to keep those two in check because, you know, they wander off those two boys, you know, so I have to keep pulling them back every now and again. But continued success in all that you do. And um, and for those that haven't tuned in on a Sunday morning, do uh, have a listen to Kate. Uh, uh, what time are you on on Radio 2? Six till Sunday nine morning? on a Sunday morning. But I know that's ridiculously early. So if you're not up and out at that time, then, of course, you can always listen on the BBC Sounds app. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you can also you can also see uh, like oh, go and look at a TikTok because you see it in the studio where Kate really I mean give the woman a microphone. Oh my suddenly goodness! She's, I, suddenly she's suddenly Kylie myself. Minogue's I best tribute act. <laughs> I met Kylie. I've met Kylie a couple of times, and once when I met her, the first time I met her, I accidentally curtsied. I went Miss Minogue <laughs> like that. I was like, what am I doing? This is so weird. <laughs> My huge thanks to Reverend Kate Botley. And if you like what you've heard, and if you haven't, what's wrong with you? Uh, don't forget, you can catch it every Sunday morning on BBC Radio 2. And if you're in the mood for more confessionals, then why not dive into our back catalogue where you can find more brilliant episodes from the likes of Daisy May Cooper, Michelle Visage, Hannah Waddingham, Danny Minogue, and Laura Whitmore, to name but a few. 
As always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Ben Robbins for Yahoo UK. Editing is by Eleanor Humphrey, and our music is courtesy of Andy Bell. I'll be back next week with more brilliant guests. Until then, thanks so much for listening in. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.